Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're continuing in our series called Welcome Home. And we have been in this study of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And uh, just to give you a very, very brief recap, because I want to dive right in. Um, 1 Thessalonians was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was written to a very young church in a city called Thessalonica. This was a place that Paul and Silas and Timothy had gone and preached the gospel to Gentiles, which are anybody who's not a Jew, and they saw a harvest of people. People started getting saved, and but because the persecution was so intense, they had to leave. There were threats against Paul's life, and so they Paul had to leave this very young church, and um, so he's writing this letter to them after having not been able to be with them and to help teach them the way that he would have wanted to teach them and also to express his heart and his love for them as a church. And so that's what First Thessalonians is all about. And um, so I want to dive right back into, we were at the very end of chapter two, going into chapter three. But I want to take you back to something that was said in chapter two for a moment because I don't want us to miss this. And I think it's very pertinent to the, this day. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse seven. This is what it says. It says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Then he shifts gears. He shifts his perspective to say we were, first he says we were like children, but then he goes on to say this. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, which is the gospel, the message of Jesus, but our own lives as well. Now, this is such an amazing picture. This is Paul saying, when we were with you, we were like a mother. We fed you, we cared for you, we nurtured you. Paul's saying, when we came bringing the good news of Jesus to you, we did not come seeing what we could get from you. Rather, we came to give to you. We came to add value to your lives. We came to bring this message of the gospel. And he says, not only did we feed you, not only did we care for you, but we gave you our very lives. We gave you our very lives. This is a picture of a tender and sacrificial love and nurturing love, the love that a mother gives, a love that a mom gives. There's, there's nothing selfish about a mom feeding a baby because that baby, like I said last week, can't give you anything. The only thing that baby can give you is a dirty diaper. That's it. But it's a sacrificial, tender love that you give to your child. That's what Paul is saying. This is how we were when we were with you. And he goes on to tell us why he did this, why he nurtured them, why he cared for them. Verse eight says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. 
We shared our lives with you. Now, here's the, here's the thing about, about being a, a love like that of a mom. Moms, many of you know what I'm talking about. You just love your children. Even when they, even when they do foolish things, you still love them. And love will make you do foolish things. I love, a, mo- a love for a child, a mom's love for a child will cause her to do things she wouldn't normally do. Say things she wouldn't normally say. Act in a manner that is completely out of how she would normally act. Why? Because she's driven by love for her child. As crazy as they make you, you still love them. As angry as they make you, you still love them. As disappointed as they may, they may make you feel, you still love them. That's the love of a mother. You love your child and you love your child well. Now one of the only things that can stop a mom, that motherly type of love, is selfishness. That's the one thing that can cause us, when God gives you the gift of a child and you're a mom, the one thing that can stop that love is your own selfishness. Why? Because the opposite of love is not hate. I've said this many times. The opposite of love is not hate. We think that. Hate is an emotion, right? It's something you feel. But the opposite of love is actually selfishness. Because love is giving, love is a verb, love is an action. You physically love someone. The only thing that can stop you from physically loving them is when you love yourself more. When you love yourself more, that can cause you to abstain from giving the type of love that you would want to give normally. Because the only person that you can think about is yourself. When everything in the world revolves around you and and your interest, then it's hard to love well. And let me just tell you this. It may feel, that may feel good for a while, that selfish kind of love, that I love me, I'm self-centered, it's all about my life, my world, I've got, I have problems, and so I help me and I need and me, 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 me. That may feel good for a moment, but trust me, one day, one day you're gonna look around and there's going to be no one there. Because in those moments, in that moment, the, you will realize the only person that you loved well was yourself. So that's the only person you have with you. Selfishness can block our love. Selfishness can even block the love of a mother. I want to go to the end of this chapter and in verses 14 and 16, Paul is talking, talking about uh, the pain and the persecution that he felt and the things that he went through in helping to birth this church. Now, when you're birthing something, I just find this so interesting, this language, this parallel that, that the Bible is giving us between Paul and the church and a mother and her love for a child because it hurt to birth this church. It was painful, there was resistance, there was pressure. Paul was being persecuted. They were going through hard times to birth this church. But how many of you know, sometimes it's worth it to go through something when there's something better on the other side? Right? I heard a story and I won't, I I know the person, but I won't say who it is. But there was a mom who was having, in the middle of birthing her child, 
And she looked over at her husband and said, I can't do this, I quit. <laughs> and he was like, babe, it's a little too late for that. Like, we're here. It's worth it. You fight through things when it's worth it. Verse 17, dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense, listen to this language, our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, What gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns, it is you. And he says, yes, you are our pride and our joy. Doesn't that just sound like the love of a parent? The thing that makes you the proudest in life isn't your accolades, isn't your accomplishments, it's when your kids are accomplishing things. It's when they're going further than you ever went. They have the ability to, they have the ability to soften your heart when your heart's hardened. They have the ability to make you proud. I, I, I love, I was, I was doing a wedding just yesterday and I did this, this wedding and I walked up to the father of the bride and I asked him, I said, so did you cry? And he was like, the, early on in the conversation, he was like, this is my second daughter and I've already gone through this once. I said, did you cry? Yeah, I cried. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I looked over, Damar and Jenna were actually at the wedding as well. And whenever the bride, the father got up to dance with the bride, I left. <laughs> it's like, I'm not putting myself through that. I got three daughters, I ain't going there yet. <laughs> intense longing to see you. Paul is speaking about them like a parent missing their child, hoping that they're okay. Have you ever been somewhere with your child and your child wander off? Have you ever been somewhere and your child is, and you're in a crowd of people and all of a sudden they're not where you put them? I love how some, some parents in our church, some who I love deeply, they have, literally have a leash for their children <laughs> to make sure that does not happen. Some days I know you wish you had a shot collar. Just get back here, but <laughs> but we'll start with a leash, okay? But if you have, then you then you know this feeling. It does not matter what was important to you before you lost that child. Nothing in the world is as important as finding that child. When you're in a crowd of people and you're you can't see your child. The only thing that matters to you is finding them. That's it. And think about all of the things that go through your mind. And those seconds can feel like hours and days. Oh my gosh, what if I lose them? Where are they? Who has them? Are they in pain? Are they in act? All of those things are running through your mind. Why? Because you're not with them. And I want you to see something. That's how the Apostle Paul felt about this church. He felt like a parent missing their child, wondering if they were okay. This is intense love. This is a very strong, intense love. He said, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. Again, this is the voice of a parent hoping that their kid is okay. 
Now you may be wondering, Pastor, why are you trying to draw these parallels? Why, why are you trying to, to do this? I've got a question for you. Even if you're not a mom, do you love like this? Do you love like this? See, the reason that the Apostle Paul felt the way that he felt is because he was expressing the love that Jesus had inside of him for them. This was not just Paul was just such a loving guy. No, no, no. He was simply a representative of the love that God had given him for those people. And it's the same love that God wants to give us for one another. See, we call this series Welcome Home. Why? Because this is a family. And we are called to love the members of our family. We're called to deeply love the members of our family. The love that we have for one another is simply a reflection of the love that God has for us and that God has for them. Are y'all with me? We've been talking about family mottos, and I want to give you the, the main motto of this day. This is what we do as a church. We love well. We love and we do it well. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Again, here's Paul. He says, finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about this for a moment. Who's writing this? Who is saying that when I could stand it no longer, when I could no longer endure this? I want, I want to just list out for, for you some of the things that this man had already endured. Prison, multiple times. Being beaten for the gospel, many times being shipwrecked and spending a night and a day in the deep floating on driftwood in the ocean to go places and preach the gospel. Turned on by his own literal family members, the people of his own race turned against him. These are the things that this man endured, yet the thing he's saying I could not endure, the thing I could not handle was not knowing if you were okay. I couldn't endure that. I couldn't put up with that. Now, does that sound like a casual Sunday morning kind of church attendance love? You know, that's the kind, that church attendance love is the one that sees you in Albertsons and ignores you and tries to walk by and hope you don't see them. Praise God. That's not the kind of love that we see here. This is a genuine love. This is a concerned love. It cares about their well-being. Now, who is the church? If somebody's calling you, you can answer it right now and tell them they're not too late. They can come. They can make it to church. He's not done. He's a long-winded preacher. He'll make it. You'll make it. Who is the church? Church is, listen to me, church is not an organization. We are not, as a matter of fact, I even hate when we use that language sometimes, we're an organ, we are not an organization. Church is not a mass gathering of a bunch of random people. The church is the people. And the people are a family. 
So when God calls us to love our, the members of our church, he's calling us to love our family, our spiritual family. And I don't know about you, I'm closer to people in my spiritual family than I am in my own family. I am. There are things I've shared with our spiritual family and emotions that I feel for them that I don't even feel for many of my own family members because this is my spirit family, born of the same spirit. I'm gonna spend eternity with y'all. Y'all better get used to me. (laughs) He said, when I couldn't stand it any longer, he sent Timothy, his son in the Lord, to check on them, to strengthen them, to make sure they were okay. And I wanna go to verse two again because I want you to see what that looked like. What did Timothy do? He says, we sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Even while we were with you, we warned you, excuse me, that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. That is why when I could bear it no longer, again, there's that that language again. When I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. This is the voice of a concerned parent. I had to make sure you were okay. He sent Timothy there to love them. So I wanna give you some pictures today before we close of what what does love look like? What does that love look like? What What is the type of love that I'm supposed to have for my brothers and sisters in Christ? What does it even look like? What do we do? How do I practically do it? Because again, I'm not talking about church attendance love. That's just a warm, fuzzy feeling you have from time to time. I'm talking about a love that is chock full of actions, things that we do to express our love. Love is like gratitude. This is the thing about gratitude. It's not gratitude unless it's expressed. You can say, I I feel gratitude towards you, but if I don't know that you're grateful, you haven't expressed it. It's not real gratitude. Gratitude is an action. You show that gratitude to someone. Love is the same way. You show them you love them. Husbands, that's where we get ourselves in trouble many times. When your wife tells you things like, how come you don't love me anymore? And you say, I do love you. What's the next thing? Why don't you show it? Words aren't enough. You can tell your kids you love them, but you have to show them you love them. You can tell your wife that you love her, but you have to show her you love her. Well, I said it once. When it changes, I'll let you know. Good luck. And I know many times we have a hard time, some of us, depending on how you grew up, expressing love. Can I encourage you to do something when it comes to that? And I mean this, I'm not trying to be harsh with my language when I say this, but you got to get over it. You got to get over yourself because love is about them. It's not about you. And there are times when you have to do things that are out of the norm for you to express to them that you love them. Love is something you give. 
So how do we do this as a church? How do we love one another? Number one, we strengthen one another. We strengthen one another. Let me just say this, we all get weak. We all get weak. I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved, I don't care if you were born under a pew in this church, you get weak. We have weak moments. Well, Pastor, I don't need anyone, I've got this. You're only a few steps away from falling. Because we all need us, God designed us to need one another. Let me just tell you, when I'm down, there are moments when I go to the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit is all I need to pick me up. There are those moments. But then there's other moments where I'm weak and I go to the Lord and I need to hear from him and he speaks to me, but he speaks to me through my brothers and my sisters. He uses his children to speak to his child. We strengthen one another. And again, I'm not talking about being independent, independent is, I got this, I can do this on my own. Codependent is, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, and you're my source. Interdependent is what we're called to be. Where together you meet my need, I meet your needs, and it works. We're supplying something to one another. The Bible calls us the body of Christ, and it says every joint supplies what the other part needs. We're supplying to one another. Y'all with me? God's called us to need each other. And it's nothing but pride that keeps us from thinking that we need people. I'm good, I got this. Sometimes the only only way you're gonna learn this is through life experience, but you're going to learn it. You are going to learn that lesson one way or the other. Just this week, I had two of my very best friends in the, in the world, two godly men, literally call me back to back without knowing that each other was calling because they were in need and they were weak. And in that phone call, what I didn't do is just preach to them. What they needed was someone to be strong for them. So they needed was someone to help give them perspective. They were weak. They needed to be picked up. Who are you picking up? Who are you strengthening? Do you call people and check on them? You ask them how they're doing and really mean it? Because we live in Acadiana and, and this is how we greet one another. How are you? And we really don't care to know. It's just a greeting. Do you ask them, no, really, I want to know. How are you? Listen, don't always be so quick to say, this is what you need, let me give it to you. Sometimes you just need to give them strength. Sometimes you just need to be a listening ear and encourage them that they can do it instead of trying to fix the problem all the time. Listen, I'm a man. My first reaction is to want to fix every problem. But sometimes I'm not fixing the problem by trying to fix the problem. Sometimes the way I fix the problem is by simply listening and being an encouragement. The next thing that we do, this is how we express love. We encourage each other's faith. Notice I didn't just say we encourage each other. 
We encourage each other's faith. That's what Timothy did to the church in Thessalonica. He encouraged their faith. What does encourage mean? To encourage someone is to give them courage. When you encourage something, you're putting courage in them. That's what encouragement means. Sometimes the thing we need the most is to remind people about what God said. To remind them of what the word of God says about them. That's why sending people scriptures is so important. When you're, when you're thinking about someone in this church or you're reading your Bible and then God reveals or, or just gives you a picture of someone that, that maybe that thing would speak to, don't hesitate, text it to them. Send it to them, call them. It may be exactly what they need. Why? Because that is the body supplying what the body needs. Are y'all with me? Share the word of God with each other. Let somebody know, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. You have no idea what that means to people at times. Just letting them know, hey, I'm praying for you. You point them back to a place of faith when they feel lost. Remind them who God says they are. And sometimes this is done in a very gentle way. Other times it's done in a way that wakes them up and reminds them of the truth. Listen, I remember one time when I was in Mississippi, I spent 10 years of my life as a missionary to the foreign country of Mississippi. It's tough. It was, the natives were really tough. It was, but I, was, I spent 10 years there as a, as a youth minister and running a nonprofit and associate pastor, all those different things at this church. And there was this one guy, big old guy. I mean, this guy was massive massive guy and he just had that Eeyore spirit about him how many of y'all know what Eeyore is from Winnie the Pooh just the whole Eeyore thanks for noticing and one day he came to me and he's like pastor all this stuff is going on in my life and I just don't know and this and that and and normally I'm a very empathetic person normally I would have said hey bro let me just pray with you let me stand with you but it happened so much that I'm on the phone with him, and I'll never forget this. I said, I rebuke that spirit of this is happening again right off of you. Man up. Be a man. Be the man God has called you to be, and stop looking at the negative all the time. And woke him up. And when I did that, you don't know what's going on. Again, he was a big guy. You never know what's gonna happen, but that man never forgot that. And he's thanked me so many times for that very moment because in that moment, he didn't need my empathy. What he needed was me to point him back to who he really is. Sometimes that's what we're called to do. Sometimes we need to say, we need to remind them, that's not who you are. Stop falling prey to that lie that you're nothing, you're worthless. This always happens to you. You are a child of the king. Stop it. This, this may sound weird, but that moment was so powerful to the guy. He literally named his son, his middle name, Gabriel. It was, it was a big moment for the guy. Um. We give courage to one another. 
Next thing we do is we, and I've alluded to this, we point each other back to Jesus. Now, if you really love people, you can't be the hero in their story. If you really love people, you're not called to be the hero in their story. Jesus is. Because our goal is not that they're dependent on us. Our goal is that they're dependent on Jesus. So we have to always point people back to who he is. Why? He's the real hero of the story. When you're no longer in their life, he still will be. When you're not there seeing everything that goes on in their heart, he will. So we have to constantly point people back to Jesus. That's how you ground people when they're in a storm. You put, their eye, you put your eyes back on Jesus. There was an amazing woman. You have heard me talk about her many, many, many times. But I love her deeply. Lisa Branningham. And when I was doing Lisa's funeral, I can remember sharing this story of, of her that I'd heard from multiple people. Women would call Lisa all the time for wisdom and counsel, and here was Lisa's reply. Have you prayed about it? And if they said no, the very next thing they got was click. (laughs) She would literally hang up on them if they called to complain and had not talked to God yet. You better believe the next time they called her, Miss Lisa, have you prayed about it? Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, I prayed, I talked to God. He told me to call you. We're not the heroes. Jesus is. One of the main responsibilities I have as a pastor is to point you to him. It's to point you to what he says. I've said this before. I don't have any authority just because I have it. My authority only comes from this word. If I give you anything that is not coming from this word, don't believe it. My authority is only, it only comes from these words, his words. So we point people to him. I'm not advocating just so you know being rude. But if you genuinely love people, you really point them back to him. You make sure they know. God may use me to help supply your need, but what you really need is him. And if he wants me to supply this need, I gladly will because it's what he wants me to do. But you need to first go to him and seek him. Don't call me looking for the answer if you've not spent any time asking the giver of that answer. Pray. Point them to Jesus. We we play a part in the solution, but we are not the solution. The next thing, we tell people the truth. We tell people the truth. If you notice what Paul says in verse four, actually in verse three, he says, but you know that we are destined for such troubles. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. Paul is reinforcing a, I told you this was gonna happen. I warned you that this was going to happen. Not in if they did anything wrong. He just told them the truth of what they were signing up for. That's real love. That's real love. When you really love people, you are honest with people. 
See, here's the thing. Most of the time, not every time, but most of the time we lie to people is not because we love them so much. We lie to them because we love us so much. We lie to them because we don't want to deal with, have to deal with the conflict of telling them the truth. We lie to them because we don't want to see their feelings get hurt and then we feel bad. We don't lie to people because it's what they need. We lie to them because of we're selfish. And we don't want to deal with the fallout of telling them the truth. But Paul loved them enough to tell them the truth. Here they are as new Christians and Paul's telling them, hey, just so you know, with this, you're going to have a relationship with Jesus. You're going to have heaven as your home. The Holy Spirit is going to come to live in you. God will be with you every step of the way, but you are going to have hard times. You're going to have problems. One of the greatest lies that churches tell people is when you sign up for Jesus, everything's going to be great. That's such a lie. And it disheartens people. So that when something does happen, they think it's strange and they think they're out of the will of God. No, no, no. You're in the will of God. And he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you in that. But stay faithful. Jesus promised us hard times. Think about that. And all of the things he promised us, heaven, right, it's going to be with us. And he promised you troubles. He promised you troubles. But then he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That's also what he says. Be honest with people, tell people the truth. Love is honesty. And Paul honestly helped equip these people. His honesty helped equip them. Now, it doesn't feel good to watch someone hurt when you tell them the truth. But if it's gonna help them and it's what's best for them, you have to do it. Let me give you an example of this. Just this past week, just this past week, my wife and I are having a very tough conversation with one of my daughters. And it was a moment of correction. And listen to me, I'll be very honest about my flesh. There are many, many times where I wanna spank them. I don't care if you like that or not, but there are times I want to. This was certainly not one of them. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm disciplining my daughter. And can I just tell you, it broke my heart to see her cry. Like I have a fully ingrained picture in my mind of her brokenness in that moment. And we hadn't even gotten to the spanking yet. <laughs> but we're talking to her and speaking the things in her heart and calling things out, lies that the enemy has told her, calling those things out of her. And she's broken and she's crying and she's hurting and I will never forget that face. But in that moment, I couldn't show that because in that moment, she needed discipline. Why? Because it was love. It was love. And there are times when discipline is love. There are times when saying the hard truth is the most loving thing to do. Because if you don't, they will never change. They will never change. And I'm not just talking about disciplining your kids. I'm talking about tough conversations with your friends, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're a small group leader, with the people in your small group, 
right? Those moments that you don't want to have, that you want to avoid because it's uncomfortable and it's not. Listen, I heard a great quote recently. You don't have to like conflict to be good at it. Can I just tell you that? You know, there are certain people who wake up, I can't wait to fight. Some of y'all are like that. Let's just be honest. How do I know? I have fought with some of you. I know you are like that. But you don't have to have that personality to love people enough to engage that and be good at it. You don't. As a matter of fact, a lot of those people are horrible at it. They just like it. They're horrible at it. If you look behind them, there's a trail of dead bodies laying and because they think they're good at it and they're not helping people. But it's the people who love you enough to make themselves uncomfortable to help you grow. That's love. To warn you of what's to come. That's love. Are y'all with me? Verse six, but now Timothy, and I'm almost done, and that's the truth, but now Timothy has just returned bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm with the Lord or in the Lord. Here's another thing. We recognize that our well-being is tied to each other's well-being. Here's Paul in the middle of persecution and dealing with the stress and the pressures of all of these churches. And the thing that encouraged him was knowing that they were okay. Listen to me. What got him through it was not online shopping therapy. Come on, ladies. What got him through it was not a pint of ice cream or boudin. What got him through it was knowing that the people he loved was okay. If we love one another, then we recognize our well-being is tied to yours. There are moments that I'm rejoicing with you when there's tough things in my own life happening. And there's things whenever we're celebrating and, and in our life, and I'm still going to go and cry with you at that person's funeral because my well-being is tied to yours and yours is tied to me. That's what families do. That's who families are. Verse nine, so how we thank God for you because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. May God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong blameless and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Lastly, we recognize where our love comes from. We love because he first loved us. You can love, you may be a person who love has not really been your thing growing up. Think about the way he's loved you and express that to someone. You may be a person who avoids conflict at all times. And you just want peace. 
But think about his love for you when he stepped in in utter love and compassion for you and corrected your ways so that he could save your life. Love that way. Those moments when you want to give up on people. I'm so glad, again, this is Mother's Day. Moms, many of you have been tempted time and time and time and time again to give up on that child, but you haven't. Why? Because you love them. And that love is an expression of God's love for you. Church, what am I saying? Love well. Love one another well. Get out of this being about you and what you can get out of this. Love one another. Don't simply come to church because you want to be fed. Come because you get to see that person that you've been connecting with all throughout the week. You get to see that person you've been praying for. And watch and see how exciting church becomes again. When it becomes the me, 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 me show, you start going, I heard Pastor Gabe make that joke before. I've heard that story before. I already know that scripture. I already know I should be doing that. And what's happening is you're becoming a, the Dead Sea where life comes into it and dies because there's nothing flowing out of it. Versus being a river that there's a constant flow in and out of and everything around it is alive. Love well, church. This is who we're called to be. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for our church. I pray that we would be known as a people who loves well, who loves our community well, but also who loves one another well, who recognizes that our well-being is connected to the well-being of our brother or our sister next to us, who sees the church not as an organization or a building, but as a family. Help us express that love well to one another, encouraging one another in the faith, strengthening one another, recognizing our our interdependence with one another. Thank you for that, Lord. If you're here this morning, and I've talked a lot about love, and I want to tell you something that maybe you've heard many, many times before, but you need to hear it again. God genuinely, deeply, eternally loves you and he loves you so much that he gave up his child for you when Jesus died on the cross it wasn't simply to fulfill a prophecy in a book it wasn't just the nice thing to do he did it because God loves you and Jesus was willing to take your place so that you could be right with God Pastor, be right with God. What does that mean? It means that your sin has separated you from him. Things that we think sometimes are cute and fun and they're really death waiting to happen in our lives. And God sent Jesus to head that off for you so that you can have life, so that you can have a relationship with God the Father. What I'm talking about is being born again. And Jesus said to a religious leader, man named Nicodemus in the Bible he says you cannot even enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're first born again you cannot even enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're first born again 
If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not born again, and I, but I want to be. I want to be right with God. We say it this way. It's a very simple process. As easy as ABC. A, you admit. Admit what? That you're a sinner, that you're far away from God. B, you believe. Believe what? That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He paid the price for that. And see, you confess. Confess what? That from this moment on, he is now the Lord of your life and you're gonna follow him. You give up that control and say, Lord, I wanna follow you. If that's you and no one looking around, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to just lift up your hand and I'm gonna lead you in a very simple prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. And Jesus is gonna meet you right where you're at. And he's gonna save you today. On the count of three, if that's you, lift it up. One, two, three. If you say, that's me, Pastor, lift up your hand. Today, I want to be right with God. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else say, this is my moment. I want to be born again. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Anyone else? This is my moment. Thank you. I see your hand back there. You can put it down. Church, let's pray this prayer out loud together. Say these words with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe You are the son of God. I believe on the cross. You died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to go. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with God the Father. I turn away from my sin follow you and from this moment on God you're my father Jesus you're my savior Holy Spirit you're my helper and heaven is now my home in Jesus name amen come on church let's celebrate with everybody that prayed that prayer today to be born again